Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning, church. How are you this cold fall morning? Good. Yeah, I'm glad you're responsive. This is great. Welcome. Hey, a couple of things I want to take care of. I need you to open your Bibles to Psalm 104, and then uh, we're going to look at a passage that was just read uh, during the last song of worship, and then we're going to go over to Philippians chapter 4 uh, soon after that. So we'll be in two primary passages today, Psalm 104 and Philippians 4. Uh, last week in the hectic uh, focus of the week, I missed a great opportunity, so I need to A, start by asking for your apologies. Last week was Veterans Week. And uh, we normally take a moment during our services uh, to honor those who serve. And just in the mix, it was unintentional, but I overlooked it and I feel bad about that. So A, forgive me. And B, it's not too late to honor those to whom honors do, correct? I still operate under that. So what I'd like to do this morning is if you've served as, or if you're a veteran uh, protecting our country and you've served in that capacity, would you stand this morning? And don't be, don't be ashamed. Please stand. We, absolutely. Thank you. And there's a special pocket of people as well. If you currently have someone you love and care about, a family member who's serving and protecting our country, would you stand so we can honor them through you? Thank you so much. Uh, and also, I think it's just important we can get caught up in and, uh, you know, one of the things I just have to confess, because it's not always perfect, but I'm trying to do my best when we don't want to preach the headlines of the newspaper. Uh, we want to preach the Word of God, because we believe when you preach the Word of God, you cover the things of the newspaper. Make sense? But every now and then, I think it's really important for us to take just a moment and identify what's going on in our world as Christians. And what I'd like us to be able to do this morning is just open and have a word of prayer, not only for those who are protecting our country, but for those refugees throughout the world who need a safe place to be. Because I believe, church, that's why we're here. It's for God's people to take care of the orphans, the widows, and the refugees. The Old Testament is written about it. And the New Testament talks about caring for those in need. So in a world that seems to be splitting right down the middle, uh, let's be the church right now. Let's offer a word of prayer, asking God to use us in whatever capacity he needs to, to care for those who are broken. Let's pray. Father, we begin this day and continue in this day by simply honoring who you are. And we know what you've asked us to do, and we're not always sure how to do it. <clears throat> so in moments like this, as we honor those who care for us and protect us, we also want to care and protect for those who have needs. I pray that you'll move your church throughout the world to respond. For some, it may be time, for, it may be finances, or it may be opening their homes. God, this isn't a political issue to us. This is a an issue of trusting you and serving you. So I pray for those who need safety and protection that it can be provided. And I pray that your church throughout the world will move so that we honor you as you love us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're visiting Christ Church, my name is Mark, and I have the privilege of being uh, one of the ministers here at the church. And you're joining us at the tail end of a series uh, that we've called Because God. And we began a series in September called Why Church? Why did God create the church? What's its purpose? What's he trying to do? And what is, what is the benefit to us in doing this? 
And by learning that, we then decided just, we kind of changed course and decided it'd be really good to spend the month of November being grateful for who God is and what that means to us. In week one, we talked about because God delivers, I can be delivered. Then we talked about because God is merciful, I can repent. And because God is for us, I can find guidance. This morning, you heard the 140th Psalm read, and it's a psalm of God's provision. Knowing who God is and what God brings to us, we're a blessed people. We know the power that he has. We know that he created this world. It wasn't an accident. It was by the intention of God, and God never does anything without a big purpose. And the beautiful good news this morning is every one of God's big purposes includes us. So in light of all of that, I'd like to take a moment and read just a few verses from the 104th Psalm. Let's begin in verse 24. And on a week of Thanksgiving, on a week when we're going to take some time out this week and celebrate with family and friends, how important it is to remember how blessed we are. Listen to these words. Verse 24. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the Leviathan, which you form to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord, and may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. That is a powerful God, my friends, isn't it? That is a God that we need not worry has lost control. That's a God who's in control. In fact, I'd like to focus just briefly on verses 27 and 28. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time, and when you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. So let me do a survey this morning. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to us? Is he worthy of our worship? Absolutely. And that's why we gather each and every week is to remind each other that living by faith matters. It's not an option. It's essential because we know who God is. So this morning I want to tell you because God provides you and I can find lasting contentment. Contentment's a strange word for Americans. Uh, We're the land of discontent. In fact, we're proud of the fact that we keep doing more and more and accomplishing more and more and gathering more and more and storing up more and more because we work hard. But I need you to know that real contentment doesn't come from what you have. It's because it comes from who has you. It's whose possession you are, not what possessions you own. There's a passage in the New Testament that correlates so well to this psalm. It's the practical application of the truth of the 104th psalm. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, if you want to open your Bibles to that. This morning, as we enter into this week of Thanksgiving together, I want us to think about the provisions of God, and I want us to think about what is our then reaction. If God is providing for us, then why do we worry? And why do we work so hard 
to have so many more things. Philippians 4.10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. This is Paul writing. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The key to being grateful is being satisfied. We struggle with gratitude when we think we've been ripped off, when we think there's a missing thing. We have trouble with gratitude when somebody else has more or we want what they have, or truthfully, sometimes we want to give them what we have because it's not working for us. Let somebody else have the burden. And in the midst of this, we're going to seek what this concept of contentment is. This is a true story. A man who owned a business was really struggling, and he was coming into faith. And as he became a Christian, he realized that he wasn't a content person. And he happened to be walking by some cubicles, and there was some administrative help in his business. And they were talking, and they were talking about some problems they had, and he overheard it. And one of the ladies that works for him said, you know what? If I just had $1,000, everything would be perfect. Being convicted by that and realizing that he had more than he needed, he pulled out his checkbook and he wrote her a check for $1,000 and he handed it to her and he said, I hope this can make your life perfect. And as he walked away, he said he left the room and he came back in because he remembered why he was in the room to start with. And he went back to the table to get what he came to get and he heard her say, boy, I wish I'd asked for 5000 And he said he realized in that moment in his great awakening, money doesn't solve a thing. Contentment, it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the possession. You see, we believe that more is always better, don't we, at our core? I, I, it makes the room quiet. Oh, l- let me tell you from the beginning, I'm not talking about money today. Everybody relax. I'm talking about some, something so much bigger. <clears throat> we believe in this country that more is better. I have to tell you, I got on the scale this morning, I am one-third more the man than my wife married. She would disagree that more is better. I'm actually one-third more the man than she married. Try to picture that one. Paul was not sitting in a Mediterranean villa when he wrote this letter. You cannot read Philippians if you don't understand that Paul's writing from prison. He had rolled the dice, if you will, with his life. He knew what he was doing, but he appealed to Caesar. And when you appeal to Caesar, you either live or die. There's no middle ground. Either Caesar hears your appeal and he grants you freedom or he hears your appeal and he sends you to death and Paul would die. And Paul knew what he was doing because he wanted to go to the highest authority in the world and introduce him to Jesus. And yet when Paul writes this letter, some amazing things happen. This is, this is what we learned from him. When the 104th Psalm tells us how big and powerful God is, Philippians chapter 4 tells us how confident we can be in that. So the first thing this morning is, I want you to know contentment begins in the mind. It's not a measurement. It's not saying I have enough to be content. It's a choice to be content. Paul would write in this same letter, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, in prison, knowing it wasn't going to end well for him. And he said, yet in spite of this, I will find joy in God. I will choose that. What was the secret to his joy? The word mind. If you read the writings of Paul, if you take these 13 uh, books of your New Testament, 
and you read through them, you're going to find this about Paul. He uses the word mind 10 times, think five times, and remember multiple times. Paul wants us to understand that faith is a choice we make, not just intellectually, but it begins in understanding who God is so that the world doesn't frighten us. The secret of lasting contentment is found in what a believer thinks on, not in what we have and not in how we feel. I want you to think about that again. The secret of lasting contentment is found in what a believer thinks on, not what they have or how they feel. It's a choice to realize. I asked you this morning, you passed the test. Is God good to you? Amen. Is God good to us? Amen. That's why we worship him. Amen. That's the most amens I've gotten in three years. But at the, at the end, amen, there's my fourth. I'm good. But at the end of the day, what's the concern? It's not whether or not we amen. It's whether or not we walk out of here and live the amen. God is good, even when times are hard. God is faithful. I read a story, and this is another true story. It cracks me up because I have a, my therapy is to work in the yard. I love to cut the grass. I love when things look nice. It just makes sense in my head and heart. I like order. There was a guy who had a beautiful lawn. He won awards for his lawn. And one year, I mean, it was his obsession. And one year, dandelions began to show up in his lawn. So he would go online and he would go to all these places and get the best chemicals and the best treatments, whatever he could. But he could not get the dandelions to leave completely. And it was driving him crazy. In his mind, it was ruining his lawn. So he took an order. He wrote down everything he had done to kill the dandelions. He put it all together and he sent an email to this agricultural school nearby, this college. And he sent it to them saying, here's everything. Everything I've done, what's missing? Is there anything I should do? That was the question. Is there anything else I can do? And he got a brief email from the head of the agricultural college, and this was the advice he got. We suggest you learn to love them. (laughs) He'd done everything he could, everything they would have advised, and all they could say is, they're going to be there. So what is the principle of that story? Sometimes God will get you out of your problem and he will rescue you from it. And sometimes God will leave you in your problems and he will rescue you through them. You cannot offer people to Jesus, church. We cannot go into the world and say that if you follow Jesus, your marriage will get fixed, your kids will get fixed, your job will get fixed, your finances will get fixed, and everything else will get fixed. Jesus doesn't promise us that. Sometimes he lets us remain unfixed so he can capture the most important parts of us, our soul. Sometimes God rescues you through it. Sometimes God rescues you from it. So the question of the morning is, if you have to think about that, can you serve a God who sometimes leaves you in your troubles and rescues you anyway? Then you'll understand what contentment means. Paul says, I have found in whatever state I am in, I can be content. Let's go to verses Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. He says, not that I have already obtained it, obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul did not think about what he was missing in this world. Paul only thought about what God would grant him in the new kingdom. And it makes me wonder if my lack of contentment at moments in my life is not predicated on trying to win a race I'm not supposed to be in. 
instead of running the race I'm supposed to run. Contentment does not come naturally. It's a choice of the mind. Paul says in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He uses the word secret. It's an interesting Greek word. What it means is being initiated into some hidden truth. It's having that aha moment. That moment where it begins to connect. We've all had those, haven't we? We're trying to solve an issue. We're trying to figure out how to fix something. We're trying to figure out how this all comes together. And in a moment you go, oh, yeah. And Paul says, what I realized in my life was the secret of contentment was not measuring what I have, but measuring who I belong to. And realizing the God of all the universe can take care of me. I need to honor him. Instead of striving day after day after day to make my own place in a world in which he's made me a place. Paul says, I've learned that. Because see, too much of something is risky and too little of something is risky. I know when we talk about contentment or gratitude in the church, people begin to freak out and go, but you don't know what I'm going through, Mark. You don't know the situation I'm in. You don't know the struggle I'm in. And you're absolutely right, I don't. But here's the good news. What I'm sharing with you today is over and above all of those things. It's not saying you're less of a Christian if you're having a hard time and it's hard. It's not saying that. I want you to know when you're having a hard time, come, be prayed with, be encouraged, gather with other believers who can hold you up when your knees are weak. That's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of faith. But I'm telling you, no matter how hard the days we're in right now, the God we worship is above that, is strong, is able, and cares too. That's why you and I can be content when it's hard. But sometimes having too much is the worst thing for our faith. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 9 is one of my favorite parts of the Proverbs. Listen to what it says. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, and give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Victor Hugo wrote a fascinating story called Les Miserables. And in the story of Les Mis, we would call it, he takes this passage from Proverbs and he writes about it. Having so much you don't need God and having so little you dishonor God. And the whole premise is, is God God even when we don't have what we think we need? You see, the secret of contentment one more time is not what you have, it's who you have. Hebrews thirteen five: let your way of living be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And today's message is predicated on whether or not we truly in our souls will believe that. That God would never abandon us even when he's quiet. So, it's a choice. Secondly, the mind relies on a God who will never abandon us in our faith. The mind needs to spend time pondering who this God is. The 104th Psalm is one of many, like the 23rd Psalm, the 46th Psalm, the 47th Psalm. I could go hours on this. If you've been reading through the Psalms, you know that what we're introducing you to is that throughout time, man has come to one conclusion. When the world is upside down, God is still faithful. He's still powerful. And he's still good. I'm going to say a harsh statement here. 
And I don't say it to be cute or provocative. What I'm saying it for is a challenge to all of us. The challenge is not that our circumstances are ever too big for God. It may be that our trust is too weak to wait for him. And contentment dies, listen to me, contentment dies when we will not wait on the Lord, and contentment grows when we do. Waiting on the Lord is a command throughout Scripture. It says in the Bible, be still and know that I am God. If contentment begins in the mind, then the mind must focus on the things that bring contentment, and that is the identity and purpose of God. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I remember being a kid, and that jacked me up. That's like, well, that's my big brother, and I don't want him. No. It's actually a a phrasing issue. What it says in the Hebrew is, because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. And that's our challenge. You see, on this side of the cross, on this side of Jesus, there is no reason to believe that any of us are facing something more powerful than him. When he walked out of the tomb, he freed all of us from any circumstance that seems permanent. Verse 13, I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That passage has always been a kind of a burr for me because of the way I see it used in culture. And I want to be, I want to be careful. I don't want to embarrass anybody or shame anybody. I want to just tell you my journey with this passage. I remember growing up hearing Christians use it all the time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And they would use it in such a way. But the truth of the matter is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but I still can't dunk a basketball. I still can't sing well. I still can't play a guitar. Paul is not writing to a group of Christians from prison and telling them, If you just think hard enough, you can do anything you want to do. No, no, no. If you think on Jesus enough, you'll end up doing what he wants you to do. So whether I can dunk, play a guitar, or sing, all things I'd love to do, uh, I can't. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's in that passage that Paul said, Because I want to know what Jesus went through, and I want to know Jesus better. I can live through all things. I can can suffer through all things. I can serve through all things, and I can be content in all things because Jesus Christ shows me how. It's by his strength that I become strong. 1 Timothy 6.6 is an interesting passage for me. Timothy writes, or Paul writes to a young preacher named Timothy about faith, about the church, about community, about loving and serving one another. And he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. We could stop right here, and honestly, I don't have time to do it, but we could spend the next 25 minutes dissecting this sentence. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I would go on to say it's the greatest gain. It's the one lesson most of us fail too often and never get the passing grade on. Why? Why? Because Paul says this, we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out of this world, so having food and clothing, be what? Content. I'd like to take this passage here, this I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and I want to replace things that I think people are trying instead of Jesus, and tell me if it sounds effective. If I say to you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, most of you would say, amen. Amen. But what if I said to you this morning, I can do all things through drugs and alcohol that gives me strength? No? Doesn't have the same hope? 
How about I can do all things through money that strengthens me? Talk to me, church. Does that work? Some of us know it doesn't work, right? Because we have, we've had money. And we're more unhappy than when we didn't. I can do all things through sexual conquests and experiences that give me strength. No? I can do all things through education and jobs and performance that gives me strength. I can do it through all things. I can do all things through what people think of me that strengthens me. No. I'm not making fun of it, but it just doesn't have the same impact as I can do all things through the one who was raised from the dead and will raise me from the dead. That strengthens me. And there is the great gain. Only God can guide me, but only I can follow. Only God can enable, but only I can yield. Because God provides, I can find lasting contentment, which is of great gain. The key to being grateful is being satisfied with the gods you have and not the things you don't. So this morning, a piece of bread and a cup of juice. It tells you whose you are, but it doesn't tell you what you have. It tells you whose you are, but it doesn't tell you what your future holds. It tells you whose you are, but it doesn't tell you whether you'll be successful or a failure, whether you'll die with many friends or die alone. It doesn't tell you any of those things, but it tells you the most important thing. Because of whose you are, take and eat. It is what you need. Take and eat because it's Jesus. Take and eat because it's your blessing. Take and eat because it's your hope. Take and eat and proclaim to the world, no matter how I'm measured in this lifetime, the only thing that matters to me is I belong to him and he belongs to me. He is my God and I am his child. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, if you've made that profession and allowed his sacrifice to replace your death, your sin, your destruction, then take and eat. And as we prepare to take this bread and to drink this cup, to proclaim his death until we come again, I'd like to read two verses from the 104th Psalm, and then we'll pray. Verse 14. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. May the wine of this cup gladden your heart. And may the bread of his body strengthen your heart. Contentment is based on gratitude. And gratitude in who Jesus is, is all you and I need to live the lives we've been called to live. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being a God who provided. Jesus, we thank you for providing yourself when we didn't want you. When in our pride, we didn't think we needed you. We simply thought we'd take care of it ourselves. A couple of goats, a couple of lambs, a few I'm sorry's, and everything would be equal. But then we realized, no, that sin and alienation killed us. But you came and offered your perfect sacrifice to replace our imperfect lives. And so today we live. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. So today as we drink together this juice and eat together this bread, we do so to proclaim to the world that you are a God who has given us everything we'll ever need with all power and hope. We receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.